Act One of A Woman's Way by Thompson Buchanan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Characters General Livingston, read by Todd. Mrs. Livingston, read by Sonia. Mr. Lynch, read by Alan Mapstone. Sally Livingston, read by Annie Maas. Mrs. Stanton, read by T.J. Burns. Mrs. Blakemore, read by Wendy Katz Hiller. Bob Livingstone, read by Greg Giordano. Oliver Whitney, read by Thomas Peter. Mrs. Bell Morris, read by Michelle Eaton. Mr. Morris, read by Jim Locke. Wilson, read by Sue Lusk. Howard Stanton, read by Rick Cordray. Marion Stanton, read by Jen Broda. Stage Directions, read by Scotty Smith. Act One, Scene, Library in Howard Stanton's House on Upper Fifth Avenue, opposite the Park. Time, a morning in early spring. Act Two, Scene, same as Act One, except that the room is brilliantly lighted and evidently prepared for company time thursday evening in the week following the events of act one act three scene dining room in howard stanton's house note this play is printed from the prompt copy used by miss grace george in the new york production it is therefore primarily an acting version and by the exercise of common judgment any group of amateurs should be able to produce it successfully without going to the expense of a paid coach the author is not interested in so-called literary dramas Plays are intended to be acted, and if they do not act, they are no good as plays. Effective drama lies in the spoken word. This comedy acts much better than it reads, and when read it should be read aloud. As this is a stage version, the stage directions are from the standpoint of the actor, right being the actor's right, left, etc., the actor's left. The Author Act One, Scene the library in Howard Stanton's house on Upper Fifth Avenue, opposite the park. It is a large room, furnished handsomely and in excellent taste. The prevailing color scheme is red and black. The walls and the curtains are rich red, the furniture dark. There is a general air of much wealth, and in part the room jars somewhat, as though two minds had met in conflict over the decorations and appointments. At the left, two windows overlook the park. Although it is a delightful spring morning, the curtains are tightly drawn over these. At the rear, double doors let in from the main hall. At the right upper stage, a single door leads to other parts of the house. Large, handsome fireplace with marble mantel downstage right. Above the mantel, a picture of a coach and four. On the wall are a number of handsome paintings. For the most part, they are pictures of action, such as hunting or battle scenes. Mixed in with them are a number of rather sporting cuts. That part of the wall space not occupied by mantel, windows, or doors is taken up with bookcases that reach up about five feet. On top of the bookcases at intervals are vases and pieces of statuary. A statue of the Greek discus-thrower stands on a pedestal in the upper left-hand corner of the room. A handsome library table stands near the center of the room, but a little to the left, holding a large electrolier. On either side of it are large, comfortable chairs. A long sofa near the fireplace on the right, facing the audience, 
and other comfortable seats about the room. A small fire burns in the fireplace. Time. A morning in early spring. Discovered. Howard Stanton asleep with newspaper over face in a big comfortable chair to the right of the library table. He is tall, well-groomed, smooth-faced, the type of modern young man in a certain set, physically brave to the point of recklessness, but morally weak-fibred, impressionable, easily led, and wax in the hands of a clever woman. He is proud and has inherited great wealth. At the present time he is evidently in trouble. His right arm is in a sling. The library table is piled high with newspapers, and there are more on the floor where they have been carelessly thrown. Wilson, a grave, rather fat, and very unctuous butler, is standing above sofa right, reading papers. Telephone buzzes as curtain rises. Wilson goes to phone. Wilson, putting papers on back of sofa. Yes, yes. This is Mr. Stanton's. I can't speak no louder. Yes, Mr. Howard Stanton. Who is it, you say? Oh, the journal. No, sir, I wish you wouldn't. This is the eighth time you've called this morning. Mr. Stanton will not speak with you. Moves away from phone to center. Phone buzzes. Wilson goes back to phone. Yes, yes. Oh, the world, you say? I don't know, sir, I can't say. Automobile accident? I don't know anything about it. I know you've called nine times this morning. I don't know nothing about Mr. Stanton and no other woman. I don't know nothing about Mrs. Stanton. I don't know nothing about nothing. He won't speak to no one. Wilson leaves phone and goes left center. Phone buzzes again. Wilson goes back to phone. Yes, yes. Oh, the post, you say? I don't know, I can't say. The post? It sounds very much like the same voice that called this morning and said he was the journal. The journal? Oh, no, sir. I didn't say you were that. I didn't call you any names. What? Go to where? I won't go there. I say there. I say I won't. Wilson takes up papers. Stanton seated left. Oh, oh. Evidently in pain, irritably, the paper falls from his face. Wilson, why wasn't I born with three hands? I, I couldn't say, sir. If I had three hands, I could have used two of them to manage that damn machine. Motoring with women, Wilson, will never be a safe sport until we grow men with three hands. Yes, sir. Will you have the papers, sir? Stanton, looking ruefully at huge pile on table and floor. Thought I had them all this side of Chicago. You have the morning papers and first afternoon editions. There is another edition out, sir. Offers half a dozen of the papers. On top is edition of Evening Journal with the headline Divorce in huge letters across the front page. Thought you might like to see this, sir. Holds up journal so the headline can be read by the audience. Oh, very thoughtful of you, Wilson. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Stanton sees the headline, shivers. You've read that? I, I saw the headline, sir. In that case, I couldn't deprive you of the rest of it, Wilson. Read it aloud to me. Wilson, half frightened. Yes, sir. Reads with a servant's inflection, dropping his H's with great unction and evident enjoyment.
divorce. Yes. Divorce. You've read that once. Yes, sir, but it's here twice, sir. Ah. In smart set to follow sensational automobile accident, wronged wife hurries to injured husband. It says just that, sir. I don't doubt it, Wilson. Who is the other woman? What? Half springs out of chair. It says that here, sir. Stanton subsiding. Oh. Well, don't read it as though you enjoyed it so damn much. Yes, sir. That a sensational divorce suit in the smart set will follow the mysterious automobile accident in which a gay millionaire was dangerously injured and an unknown beautiful young woman miraculously escaped death was learned on good authority today by a reporter for this paper. Good authority? Bah! Yes, sir. Although every effort is being made to shroud the affair in mystery and withhold the identity of the young millionaire and his fair companion, it was definitely established by the Evening Journal that the wrecked car belonged to Howard Stanton, the young millionaire sportsman, whose sensational escapades have more than once brought him into public notice. I say, Wilson, are you reading that right? Yes, sir. At the home of Mr. Stanton, all information was denied. Mrs. Stanton arrived late last night. It is... That will do, Wilson. They don't really know any more than I do. Don't see what use there was in buying the damn paper. Wilson puts paper on table. Anything else, sir? Anyone call me on the phone? Yes, sir. Journal, eight times. World, nine times. Sun, globe, five times. Mail, telegram, Staatszeitung, one time. I told them you were out, sir. Oh, is that all? Oh, you forgot the Herald, Times, and the Telegraph. They're morning papers, sir. It isn't time for them yet. Excuse me, Wilson. Yes, sir. But police headquarters and the coroner's office called. Stanton springing up. What? The coroner's office? Yes, sir. They wanted to know if there was any truth in the report that Mrs. Stanton had attempted suicide when she heard the story. Stanton rises, moves to left around table. This is infamous. Yes, sir, but it was the same voice that called eight times before, sir. Don't answer the phone if the devil himself calls in person. Wilson goes to phone and takes down receiver, puts back and gathers up papers that are on floor, puts them in basket under table. Yes, sir. Anything else, sir? Anyone been here to see me? A crowd of young men in front ever since last night, sir. I think they are newspaper men. See if they're still there. Wilson goes to the window left, draws up curtain, peeps cautiously. They are there, sir. All of them? Yes, sir, and some more. Five, six, seven photographers, sir. Oh! Jumps back from window in dismay, letting curtains fall. What's the matter? They've taken my picture, sir. Oh, that's all right. Your picture. Yes, sir. Anything more? Look again. Wilson, with ludicrous care, approaches the window, drawing back curtain a little and peeps out. Three cabs and a motor, sir, just drove up. More newspaper men, sir. They are waiting for you to come out, sir. They'd better take a lease. Yes, sir. <laughs> Big pardon, sir. Well, what is it? Runs over to the window, then remembers and stops abruptly. What's the matter, you idiot? Wilson, looking out. It's Mr. Morris, sir. He just drove up in a hansom. They are taking his picture. Oh, fine. 
tries to peep out, dodging about to keep from being seen. What are they doing? They are all of them trying to talk to him at once. He seems a bit agitated like, sir. He's shaking his cane, sir, and they are taking his picture and laughing at him. There comes wild spasmodic ringing of a doorbell. Stanton is intensely pleased. Go it, Ned. Yes, sir. I think he must want to come in, Wilson. Yes, sir. Well, show him in, you idiot. Yes, sir. Turns toward door. Wilson, don't let any of those reporters in. No, sir. But the last time I had to open the front door, one of them put his foot inside the edge and I had to squeeze it. I'm afraid I hurt him. Hurt him? Kill him? Yes, sir. Exits hurriedly. Stanton dances about joyously, crossing to above sofa. Ned, of all people, great. Ned Morris, his top hat on back of his head, his cane in his hand, and evidently wild with rage, bursts in center, stops and stares in rage at Stanton. Well, you have played hell. Ned Morris is thirty-seven, of the legal type, serious, dignified, but short-tempered and inclined to be dictatorial, wears close-cropped mustache and is beginning to enlarge at the waist, dressed in cutaway coat and silk hat. Did they take your picture that way, old boy? Morris puts his hat and stick on sofa. Now look here, Howard. This is no laughing matter. Disgracing your family, disgracing me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where do you come in? Morris Center, angry and pompous. I am your sister's husband. Well, any girl's liable to make a mistake. Don't be sore on her for that. What? Well, suppose you weren't. What then? A couple of thousand a year. Maybe, maybe not. As it is, nice house. Fair girl. Good clothes. Great grub. Wonderful brother-in-law. And even have your picture taken for nothing. You're not in so awful bad. Look here, Howard. I came up here to help you out of this scrape. Stanton sits on sofa arm. I know you did. I just wanted to get it out of your head that you were doing me any favor. It's part of your job, brother-in-law. That's just why I plugged so hard with Belle for you. Thought it was cheaper giving you her share than paying you all mine to keep me out of trouble. Oh, I'm a businessman. Yes, this looks like it. Produces another yellow paper with the headline, Divorce Scandal, all the way across the top of the front page. Stanton moves to left of table, picking up the paper, divorce, and comparing them. Good Lord, another? Morris Center. What is it? Stanton, left, holds up divorce paper. Well, this divorce is a pretty good forecast. Great heavens, man, you don't mean that you and Marion have separated. Don't try to throw that front, Ned. You know as well as I know, as well as Marion knows, that she and I have been separated for months. But she's been living here. Yes. Shrugs shoulders and sits against table left. Good house for entertaining, and it's hers anyhow. We've almost been as intimate as two people who don't speak the same language. What's wrong? Stanton shrugs shoulders. I don't know. Too much money, I guess. Marion's a splendid girl. Best in the world. She likes me in a way, but... Puts paper down. Hang it, Ned. There ought to be a law preventing kids from marrying until they know their own minds. Well, you two kicked up a jolly row until you fixed it. 
Oh, by George, I can see those headlines now. Lochinvar outdone. Yale athlete carries off Vassar. The girl in motor. Gee, she did look good that night. She looks just as good now, rather better. Yes. Can't it be fixed, old boy? Stanton, rising from table left, goes to window left. Oh, my dear Ned. Shakes his head with something like a sigh. There is no record of a man dreaming the same dream twice. When you wake up, you wake up. And when you go to sleep again, it's another dream. Morris sits on table. Then I take it you and Marion have waked up. Stanton nods with show of considerable real feeling. And it might have been all right with a little place in the country and a couple of kids, but Dad's money and Marion's health killed all that. Then she went in for society and culture on the side. And you for sports and chorus on the side? Oh, cut that preaching. Well, all I can say is, it's a damn shame it didn't stick. You are both thoroughbreds. Stanton sits in chair left. Now you've hit it. Thoroughbreds don't go in for double harness. And every time there's a kicking match, I get kicked. Don't really see what I was born for. Unless to give these newspaper chaps something to do. Sits left of table. This latest, you and a young woman being injured, is true? Absolutely. Then it must be denied at once. I knew I did right to persuade Bell to marry you. It wasn't an easy task, either. Morris, impatiently, sits in armchair. The woman will keep quiet? She's not proud of it, you know. Is she in the chorus? No. Manicure or milliner? Stanton, rising. Neither. Morris, rising. Good. Then we'll tell Marion it isn't true. What? Lie to Marion? Certainly not. I may be a fool, but I am a gentleman. Well, something must be done. You must say something to Marion. How will she take it? You could never tell how Marion will take anything. She is as proud as a little Miss Lucifer and game as a pebble. She would never show it if she were hurt. Hurt? I don't see how she can be hurt. She doesn't care. We've been drifting. Both at table. With no distinct break? A row now, and then quiet. You know, just drifting. Then who is this? She is a lady, Ned. And as she is likely to become a close relative of yours, you'd better treat her with respect. All you need to know for the present is that the accident did occur, and she is a lady. Morris, left, rises in sneering amazement. What? Don't you suppose I am going to protect the reputation of my future wife? A lady can ride in an automobile, you know. Are you crazy, or am I? Goes right. I'll match you. Wilson, appearing from center. A note for Mr. Morris, sir, marked urgent. Delivered by messenger. Morris comes to Wilson Center, takes note, reads. From those newspaper reporters, they want a statement. Stanton, moving up to Wilson, angrily. I'm getting tired of this. Wilson, tell them to go to hell. Wilson goes toward door center. Yes, sir. Turns, going. No, no, 
I have an idea. Wilson stops and moves to desk right. Morris goes up to him. Tell them if they will go away. I will give them a statement later. Wilson arranges paper and looks towards Stanton, who nods acquiescence. Have your own way. Wilson goes. Let me think. Oh, I have an idea. Comes down left to Stanton. An emphatic denial with a gentle threat of libel. They cut out the gentle. Trust me. Wilson enters. Yes, Wilson? Wilson center. Big pardon, sir, but the newspaper men said they are waiting for Mrs. Stanton to leave your house for her father's, and they hoped that if convenient she would go soon, for they had another edition in forty minutes. Stanton down left. Such impertinence is beyond bearing. This whole country is being governed by a lot of irresponsibles hiding behind the public opinion they make by lying to and fooling the people through the papers. I won't stand it. To center. What business have they to pry into my personal affairs? I won't stand it, I tell you. Which one sent that message, Wilson? I'll thrash him. Turning to right center. Turns back. Yes, and have the rest of them take pictures of you while you do it. Then be hauled to a police court and fined by a magistrate who is afraid of them. Goes to Stanton and takes him to door upright. Now, Howard, be calm. Leave it to me. Stanton going toward exit right. But I tell you. Morris follows right. I'm your lawyer. During this scene, Wilson picks up a basket and is about to exit center when Morris stops him. Stanton, still angry. All right. Exits. Morris exits and returns at once. You stay in there and wait. Points to door up a stage right to Wilson. Wilson, say to the newspaper men that Mr. Morris will see one to represent them all. Yes, sir. Exits and returns almost immediately. Wilson at center door announcing. Mr. Lynch. Lynch enters. He is a shrewd, clever, but rather cynical-looking man of thirty, smooth-faced and rather jaunty in appearance. Though naturally cynical, he can be diplomatic and has all the reporter's adaptability in meeting people. As he enters, he gives a quick professional look about the room, photographs it in his mind for descriptive purposes. Morris, trying not to appear condescending. I am Mr. Morris, Mr. Stanton's attorney. Oh, I recognize you, Mr. Morris. We know most of the big lawyers, you know. Morris, somewhat pleased in spite of himself. Ah, won't you sit down, Mr. Lynch? Indicates armchair. Lynch sits in armchair right of library table. Thank you. Morris stands right center. From the journal or world? Lynch smiling. Neither. They would not trust each other. Morris relieved. Oh, the post. Lynch amused. Wrong again, Mr. Morris. This story only broke last night. The Post probably hasn't heard of it yet. I'm from the City News. We serve all the papers. Morris, assuming great geniality. Well then, Mr. Lynch of the City News, what can I do for you? You know the story, Mr. Morris. Is it true? I know certain facts, Mr. Lynch. I must confess that I do not keep abreast of the romances in our yellow journals. When I undertake fiction, I choose a more enduring kind. 
the story is that a wrecked automobile was found in a ditch beside the road just outside new haven connecticut when the car passed through new haven it had in it a young man who answers the description of mr stanton and a young woman who does not answer the description of mrs stanton they were found unconscious with the wrecked car and carried away by persons in another automobile it is rumoured that the woman is desperately injured and the man fatally hurt the car belonged to mr howard stanton and dr aspel was here at this house last night and a young woman who does answer the description of mrs stanton arrived in great haste last night i cannot say mr lynch whether that story is true or not you don't care to make a statement oh yes i'll make a statement well this car of which you speak may or may not be mr stanton's i cannot say the man in the car however was certainly not mr stanton and the woman was most certainly not mrs stanton i wish to say that positively oh we're quite sure it was not mrs stanton puts gloves on table wouldn't have been much of a story if it had been is there anything else mr lynch where is mr stanton hum he left two days ago for a trip to north carolina i've wired him and expect to be in communication with him shortly when he returns i am sure he will instruct me to take decisive action with regard to these shameful and libelous innuendos and mrs stanton she is here and i am making this statement at her earnest solicitation to put an end to this annoyance then there is not to be a divorce morris in amazement divorce mr lynch if the papers were more conversant with the lives of the people about whom they busy themselves impertinently and unnecessarily the stupidity of such a question would be obvious i think that is all mr lynch lynch rising and moving toward morris well thank you very much for your statement mr morris but will you tell me who was in mr stanton's automobile morris shrugging his shoulders and going to entrance right speaks in a voice raised so it comes to stanton some irresponsible drunken chauffeur on a joy ride i suppose with his sweetheart a manicure or a milliner probably lynch pausing on way to the door forgive one more question dr aspel's visit certainly he came to see mrs stanton i believe that covers everything i hope so good day sir good day mr lynch oh mr lynch you won't forget the name lynch gets to door when morris coughs consciously lynch turns suppressing a smile and looks at morris questioningly mr edward roland morris you know i have it correctly good day exits as soon as lynch has gone stanton emerges hastily from room up a stage right stanton angrily what the devil do you mean by calling me a drunken chauffeur what would you have me tell him the truth i will if you wish starts upper stage angrily lynch appearing at centre door i beg your pardon but i forgot my gloves 
evidently takes in everything, but his face is kept straight. Morris turns toward table. Don't worry, I see them. Moves to table, picks up gloves. You know, I frequently forget my gloves when I interview people. Starts up stage, then pauses. To Morris. The name is Edward Roland Morris, isn't it? Morris, embarrassed. Yes. I wanted to give you full credit for your frank statement, and when a name is not well known, I am always particularly careful to get it right. Thank you. Turns to Stanton. Would you care to discuss motoring in North Carolina, Mr. Stanton? I don't care to discuss anything. Going upright. Lynch up after Stanton. Will you say who was the lady with you in the car? No. Stanton downright. Lynch downright. Will you affirm or deny the report that Mrs. Stanton is about to file suit for divorce? Such a question is too impertinent to answer. May I see Mrs. Stanton? Certainly not. I gave you a statement from Mrs. Stanton. Mrs. Stanton is not here at present. Marion Stanton enters right. She is a wholesome-looking and extremely pretty young woman in her early twenties. Though her face shows character and decision, a sense of humor, rather, is the predominating characteristic. She is a more clever woman than her husband is a man. She comes in thoughtfully, but her face lights at seeing Ned Morris, comes to him, holding out both hands. Why, Ned, when did you get back? You've been neglecting me. I haven't seen you for an age. Where have you been keeping yourself? Takes his hands. Been busy, Marion. She looks up for the first time, sees Lynch. An awkward pause with no introduction. Mrs. Stanton, I am Mr. Lynch of the City News. Mrs. Stanton has nothing to say to Mr. Lynch. Marion, quickly with decision. Perhaps I have, Howard. What is it, Mr. Lynch? We have the story of a divorce suit contemplated by you. Divorce? I? Did you hear that, Howard? I think the fact that I am here in Mr. Stanton's house is sufficient answer to such a silly story. Morris and Stanton are visibly relieved. Have you heard the story of Mr. Stanton's accident? Yes, indeed. How we have laughed over it, haven't we, Howard? Uh, yes, I should say we have. <laughs> Most amusing. <laughs> I suppose it is so unusual for a man to go motoring these days with his own wife that the papers naturally jump to the conclusion it must be another woman. It's really too absurd, Mr. Lynch. Oh, then you were the lady in the car? Of course I was the lady in the car. Then allow me to congratulate you, Mrs. Stanton, on your splendid recovery. The lady in the car broke her leg. Good day. Exits. The three, left alone, stare at one another. Broke her leg. Marion moves over to center table, drops into chair beside it, and buries her face on her arm, her shoulders heaving. Morris looks at her sympathetically, then follows Lynch out, with elaborate care. Stanton comes over beside Marion, stands, looking like a fool. Stanton, 
to Marion, trying to be comforting and not knowing what to say. Don't take on so, Marion. Please don't. No answer. Long pause. Stanton more serious and embarrassed than ever. She didn't really break her leg. He was only bluffing. The shaking of Marion's figure continues. She seems convulsed. Coaxingly, Stanton turns to her. Come, Marion. Marion looks up, her face convulsed with laughter. Didn't she really break her leg? Marion, you're laughing? Am I? <laughs> I believe I am. But you see, as I haven't the honor of the lady's acquaintance, you can't expect me to be so very sympathetic. Stanton, terribly shocked that she takes the situation in this unconventional fashion. Marion, I'm ashamed of... Most self-respecting men would be, dear. Stanton, haughty, angry, and completely nonplussed. I... I don't... I, I cannot explain. I... He's thinking only of her attitude, but she purposely misunderstands. Don't apologize for her coming out safely, Howard. You know I wouldn't have minded if she had broken her neck. That is not a womanly speech. Oh, yes, it is. You just don't know. Stanton turns from her angrily. When his back is turned, she makes an involuntary move and affectionate gesture toward him, while her face shows pain and love. She must show to the audience by her silent acting that she really loves him, and her lightness and humorous taking of the situation is a brave bluff to hide her real deep feeling. Stanton, turning back bitterly, moving to right. I might have known that would be how you would take it. Ever since you went in for this society thing, all you can do is laugh and sneer at everything. Do you wish me to take the situation seriously, Howard? Isn't it serious? I should hate to be forced to take it so. I might have been killed. Marion, getting back her poise, rising. Oh, Howard, you couldn't have done anything so ungentlemanly. Ungentlemanly? Marion rises. Yes, the lady might have a husband or a father or children or... Oh, any of the relations that women of that sort usually have. Think how you might have compromised her. He is too angry to speak and merely stares at her. Marion goes to him right. Now, my dear Howard, you must promise if you insist upon getting yourself into these absurd scrapes... You won't allow yourself to be killed. I'll promise you that. Goes to fireplace. Thank you, dear. One thing I've always liked about you is that you are naturally so obliging in little things. Now another man might say yes, he would kill himself if he wanted to, but you're not that way. You have the right idea of how to hold a woman, make her all the little promises that you mean to keep. I suppose you would have been seriously annoyed if I'd been killed? Indeed I should, Howard, dear. You know how insignificant I look in black, and ours is a love match. I should have to wear it for the limit. Pause. Stanton, at bookcase near phone, moves over to Mantle. Well, I suppose that ends it. What ends what? What I've been doing this, um... Pause for a word. Disgracing yourself and your family? Disgracing? Turning sharply, strikes injured arm. With pain. 
Oh. My poor boy. Turns to him where he stands, holding his arm in pain. Does it hurt much? Draws him over to sofa, makes him sit down. You've slipped the bandage. Takes his arm out of sling. Stanton sits on sofa right alongside Marion. It isn't anything. Does it hurt much? She is busy with the bandage. Oh, it's not nearly so bad as the last time. You remember the last time, then? Sure. It was... Stops short, embarrassed. Our honeymoon in the Berkshires. They look at each other silently for several seconds, then both smile. How absurd. Do you remember that evening? Yes. The turn in the road, just at the elbow of that steep hill. We got by the first turn safely. Don't you remember it was the second turn? Remember? Yes, so it was, to be sure. It was the second turn. I'll never forget it. Marion, as though trying to recall. What were we doing? Why, Marion, you must remember that. Marion, shaking her head. It's very indistinct. You know, we'd come flying down that hill, taking the turn on two wheels and the wind in our faces and the glory of the evening sun in your hair, and we were laughing, laughing with the joy of being alive, being together, being alone. And then I forgot everything and leaned toward you. And then that sinking away feeling, the crash and the darkness. And when I came to? I came to first, you remember. So you did. When I came to, my head was in your lap and you were cuddling and nursing me. Of course I was. Why, you saved my life. I would have been killed if you had not jerked me so that I fell on you and broke your arm. That was the first time you ever sat on me. We had not been married long then, you know. And do you remember that walk afterwards? Two miles in the moonlight with you holding my broken arm. What a rough place it was. Gee, you were good to me. How absurd. What a start for a honeymoon. A big smash-up at the outset. That wasn't my fault. You did it. Did it nothing. If you hadn't looked so good, I wouldn't have leaned toward you. I suppose you have the leaning habit in automobiles, Howard. Can you beat it? Whenever anything important happens, I always hurt my arm. First the honeymoon, and now... Uh... Marion rises abruptly and goes up stage right. Pause. Marion, I wonder why we can't get on. I thought we used to be so congenial. Marion comes down to left of sofa. No, Howard. You pretended to like what I did. Stanton rises. No, indeed. You were the one who pretended. But, oh, Marion, that society game I could never stand for. Poor boy. How selfish I was. You selfish? The idea, I... I should have taken more interest in sport. But racing was always tiresome for me, and late suppers always gave me a headache. No, indeed. I was a brute. You were not, Howard. Yes, I was. No, you weren't. Other things, perhaps, but never... Stanton, crossing with heat. Confound it! That's the way. You never agree with me about anything. Let me be a brute if I want to be. I'm a brute, and I'm going to be a brute. Well, perhaps you are right, dear. Perhaps you are. 
Stanton goes up to center. You'll be well rid of me. Pause. I suppose you'll marry again. Do you... Stanton, coming down to right of sofa. Whitney's a jolly nice fellow. Now look here, Howard. Catches herself, laughs. We are still married, Howard, and I haven't asked any questions about your future. Stanton rises. I beg your pardon? Don't mention it. Pause. I'm going to do the right thing. I haven't acted right, I know. I'll do everything to atone by helping you rid yourself of me. I'll give you all the names. I know they will appreciate that. Why must you always be so sarcastic? I thought there was but one woman in that car. She does not count. She will count if there is a divorce, and it will be tried publicly. Marianne! Pray, why should we make an exception in her case? She is a lady. <laughs> I said she was a lady. Doubtless. I tell you. No, I will tell you something. I've known for a long time that you have not been acting entirely as you should, but it has not really troubled me perhaps as much as it ought. But I have never done one of these women the honor to be jealous. This one seems different. You say she belongs to your own station in life as well as your own class in morals. Very well. If there is a divorce, it will be tried publicly, and she shall stand with you disgraced. Marion, she is innocent. She shall prove it. The bell rings. I wonder who on earth that is. Another reporter, probably. God forbid. Enter Wilson, center. Mr. Robert Livingston. Bob Livingstone enters center. Hello, Bobby. Hello, Bobby. Wilson exits. Bob coming down quickly. Hello, Marion. Puts arm around her. Glad to see you've got your nerve with you. I came as soon as I saw the paper. Turns to Stanton, his arm still about Marion. Well, you're a nice piece of work. What do you mean? Mean? I mean for two cents, I'd knock your brains out. What? You? Steps toward Bob. Yes, me. Bobby, Bobby, aren't you ashamed of yourself? Howard hasn't a bit more brains than he needs. Hardly that. How dare you humiliate my sister? I'm not humiliated. You see, she's not humiliated. Bob, turning on Marion. Well, what are you then? I'm... I'm sorry for Howard. Sorry for him? Well... I don't want your pity, Marion. My dear Howard, you ought to be glad to have anything. I wouldn't give him anything, not pity, at least. But I can't help it, Bob. Think of the fix the poor fellow is in. Think of your fix. He has shamed you before the world. Well, he broke her leg. At least that's what Mr. Lynch, the reporter, said. Lynch? I know that fellow. He's outside. Tried to make me talk just now. I told him we were all coming here to sit on the case. Put Stanton on trial at a family conference. What? You? Great heavens. I just felt in my bones I was right to pity you, Howard. 
marion you are encouraging him don't you think he needs it but uh, oh i say marion i'm not going to be made a monkey of was it i who made the monkey of you dear to bob think of the poor boy's predicament besieged in the house by reporters shut up here with an abusive wife and two belligerent brothers-in-law and more coming and all the while she is lying up with a broken leg i'm sure she's three-quarters dead for she hasn't even telephoned wilson at centre a lady on the upstairs phone sir for an instant the three stand like statues marion is cut to the quick bobby does not know whether or not to go over and punch stanton's head a a, a lady yes sir she wouldn't give her name sir y yes yes i understand she said you would sir I i'm not at home very good sir starts to exit wait wilson wilson pauses undecidedly yes ma'am wait outside wilson exits good gracious howard you can't say that she'll think you're in jail no i insist on your speaking to her have you no pity think of her standing at the telephone waiting on one leg well well i'll talk to her exit center that's right dear do your duty to bob now bob you stop bullying my husband phone rings marion rushes to phone right hello to bob they've switched her to down here seizes phone and works switch such as are used in houses with upstairs and downstairs connection hello this is mr stanton's residence pause no no not mrs stanton no oh no she never speaks to mr stanton's women friends pause not even over the phone who is it then oh oh mr stanton's secretary covers phone to bob cat i can just smell the peroxide into phone how is mr stanton oh he's very anxious to know whether or not you have a broken leg why the reporters said you had i'm sure i couldn't tell you how the reporters know don't you know pause well he has a very nice-looking reporter i beg your pardon miss or madam oh a miss i didn't mean to be impertinent pause oh mr stanton oh he's doing quite as well as could be expected under the circumstances pause yes indeed i'll do my very best to make him recover you can count on that pause anything you can do well if it wouldn't be too much trouble couldn't you just send for the reporters and have them come around in front of your house so we could get in and out without having our pictures taken i'm so sorry i'm always saying the wrong thing stanton enters hurriedly evidently upset stops aghast on seeing marion at the phone oh here's mr stanton now just wait he'll speak to you puts hand over phone turns to stanton there was some sort of mix-up and she was switched down here i was just holding her for you dear marion hang that up i don't no no dear you can't be so rude 
Be a nice boy. Talk to the lady. Into phone. Here he is. Motions imperiously. Stanton comes over as one dazed and takes phone. Into phone. Uh, hello? Pause. I'm all right. Embarrassed? I'm very glad. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Um, she's here. Yes, I'm here. My secretary? Yes, dear, I'm your secretary. I couldn't bear to embarrass a lady with a broken leg. Oh. Pause. Discharge her? Marion, to Bob. Well, the two-faced creature. I'm very, very busy. Yes, he's very, very busy. Mrs. Stanton is here. Marion, to Stanton. You selfish pig. I'll speak with you later. Yes, we'll speak with you later. Of course, of, of course. Oh, of course he does. Stanton hangs up phone, turns on Marion. I'm ashamed, outraged. How dared you do that? Didn't you wish me to speak with her? I thought I was doing you a favor. Look here. Bob confronting Stanton. Don't you dare use that tone to my sister, you... You swine. You, you, I'll, oh. Realizing hopelessly the idiocy of his position, flings himself off right. Marion to Bob. How dare you call my husband a pig? Well, if he isn't a pig, what is he? He's a goose. I don't care a damn if he's the whole Noah's Ark. You've got to leave here. Indeed because you say so? You're a pretty one to talk moral platitudes, Mr. Bobby Livingstone, bridegroom. It would do well for you to remember when you begin throwing bricks at other men's glass houses that you have a pretty neat little conservatory of your own. Pooh. Pooh. What? Yes. Pooh. Pooh. What? Apparently you have forgotten that dashing lady at Palm Beach last winter who ensnared little Bobby's heart and Sister Marion had to advise him how to get out when he got engaged to pretty Sally. Oh, that's all past. I've forgotten all about that. I suppose you've forgotten even her name. Uh... Oh, don't trouble to recall it. I remember it perfectly. By the way... What became of the lady? Well, if you won't tell, I introduced her to Ned Morris. He was going about a bit with her, and a couple of months ago I saw her at the theater with Oliver Whitney. You introduced her to Sally? I was taken ill, and Sally came home with me at the end of the first act. You wretch! <laughs> well... Well, if you wish to keep Sally content, you stop trying to bully my husband, or you'll find yourself in his fix. Stanton re-enters right. I've been talking to Bobby Howard. He's sorry he called you names. Oh, that's all right. I'm... Bell rings. There come the rest. Me to hide. Goes off right. Mrs. Livingstone, followed by Mrs. Bob Livingstone, enters center. Mrs. Livingstone, agitated. Mrs. Bob, who followed, comes on like a ruffled canary, but also is decidedly important. 
Mrs. Livingstone is a woman in her late fifties, evidently of good birth and breeding. She still retains a sort of faded prettiness. While she has dignity and poise, she is a woman who has been loved and bullied, and managed all her life. In everything but pride of birth and knowledge of her own station, she has depended upon stronger wills for opinion. She has tremendous admiration and a deep affection for her daughter, Marion. Mrs. Bob, Sally, is a canary sort of girl, small, plump, blonde. She is obviously a bride, and the type that an old man or a very young man marries. She is selfish but loving, and is quite sure that she knows more about marriage and how to manage a husband than all other women in the world ever learned. She is dressed in the height of fashion and looks absurdly young. Marion goes center to greet Mrs. Livingstone. Hello, mother dear. My dear child. Embraces Marion affectionately, almost convulsively. Stanton left. Good Lord. Sally is looking Howard up and down, very much like an indignant canary. Finally turns her back on him. Marion, releasing herself. You see, Howard, mother. Mrs. Livingstone, very coldly, moving to sofa right and sits. Good morning, Mr. Stanton. Good morning. Marion kisses Sally, who responds effusively, then barely bows to Stanton. Marion goes to chair right and puts cloak on it and comes down to sofa, sitting on arm. Hello, Sally. I was just going over to see you. Howard and I have been terribly lonely. You seem to have plenty of friends outside. Goodness knows, they were anxious enough. One of them took my picture without even waiting for me to turn the right side of my face. I know it will be horrid. They were most impertinent. One of them asked me what I thought of how—of Mr. Stanton. As though she could tell them. Stanton moves to exit door upright. I have a good deal to do this morning, um, if you'll excuse me. Certainly. We will. Stanton exits up a stage right. They all watch him without speaking. Sally turns to Marion. Oh, Marion, isn't it terrible? Marion to Mrs. Livingstone, amused. What has happened to our little bride, mother? Has Bob done anything? Mrs. Livingstone, half tearfully. Marion, how can you joke? I'm not joking, mother. What is wrong? Mrs. Livingstone, in despair and disgust. Marion! Wrong? Well, if you don't call this wrong— Begins hauling up her very tight-fitting skirt, displaying underneath a copy of the journal pinned to her petticoat. Sally! Sally, unpinning paper, offers it to Marion so that audience can see across the front page in big black type the headline, Scandal. Marion takes paper, glances at it, repressing an expression of disgust, throws it on the table indifferently, blandly. Well, dear, I am relieved. I've been wondering what that was ever since you came in. Yes, even a piece of paper under these new skirts does look like a physical deformity. But I was determined, dear, you should see it. I thought it my duty as one married woman to another. And, of course, I couldn't be seen carrying the sheet. It was sweet and thoughtful of you, dear. Sally gets chair from over near sofa and puts it center, sitting. I must say, Marion, I don't want to criticize you, understand. But I must say that 
I think if you had managed Howard a little more firmly, this scandal would not have occurred. We wives must take a firm stand. The whole future of the country depends upon us, and we should appreciate the responsibility. I know I do. I'm quite sure you do, dear. Yes, I've spoken very seriously to Bobby. We will never have anything like this in our family. There will be no opportunity. Produces from her purse a little black notebook. See, I have a book. He has a book. Every night I check him up, and if he cannot account for every minute, I don't even let him kiss me. Now why don't you try that with Howard? Marion, the strain is beginning to tell on her. She laughs grimly. Perhaps some night I might want him to kiss me. Oh, Marion! Well, mother, is there anything so disreputable in a married woman wishing her husband to kiss her? I'm sure Sally approves. Sally has been married one month. I don't suppose it is proper, just on the eve of divorce. Speaking of divorce, Marion... Why speak of it, dear? Not that I want you to get a divorce, but if you should, you know, you should not wish this lovely house to go out of the family. Um, Bob and I... Mrs. Livingstone rises. Sally. All rise. Marion, rising, seeing the funny side, but almost too far gone to laugh at it. Sally, dear, won't you run away and tell Howard your ideas? I am sure he will appreciate them. Mrs. Livingstone moves to library table. Sally, getting up quickly. Of course. With determination, Marion takes chair and places it where it stood originally and sits upon it. I'll talk to him. Sally goes up a stage right, exits up right. Marion calling after her. Don't bully him. Mrs. Livingstone, center, looking after Sally. Well, I cannot for the life of me understand what your brother Robert ever saw in that girl. They will be happy, I suppose. Yes, I suppose so. One can never tell who will be happy and who will not. Now I thought you... Both sit at left. Mother, don't. Mrs. Livingstone goes towards Marion, her real mother nature roused. Can't you tell your mother all about it, dear? Marion drops on footstool beside sofa, bends over and buries her face in her mother's lap. Mrs. Livingstone strokes her hair tenderly. It is partially my fault, I suppose. I did not take as much interest as I should in things that amused Howard. Rises and sits on sofa. I should hope not. I did. I did go in for society a good deal. Of course. He did not realize it was because I was lonesome. Sometimes, mother, I think that men are awful fools. They are almost always, but that doesn't excuse Howard Stanton. Goes to sofa and sits alongside of Marion. Bringing about such a scandal. Now we will have all the horrible notoriety of a divorce suit. Divorce suit? Oh, no. Put that idea out of your head. But what can you do? You can't live with him after this scandal. Consider your own dignity. It is scarcely proper. Why, when I came this morning, I hardly expected to find you here. Where did you expect to find me? Out in the street talking to the reporters? Marion! Mother dear, it's time to end this hypocrisy that is merely a confession of weakness. 
It's time, I tell you, for the good women to wake up. We fight to get our husbands. Why not fight to hold them? We good women are too fond of sitting still and pretending to be coldly superior while our hearts break as the other women steal our husbands. Well, I'm not going to be like that. Not much. If she gets my husband, she'll earn him. Marion, you always did have impossible ideas. Impossible? I'll show you. What are you going to do? Makes inquiring gesture. Never mind now, mother. Just curb that curiosity. I have a plan. You wait and see. Well, all I can say is I wish you had married Oliver Whitney. But I didn't love Oliver Whitney. I loved Howard. I do love Howard. Marion, if you are not crazy, you ought to be. I don't know where you get such impossible ideas. Certainly not from my side of the family. Bell rings. Enter Wilson. Mrs. Livingstone rises and moves to left. Oh, that is probably your father. Wilson at door center. Mrs. Stanton. Mrs. Stanton enters. She is a rather large, heavy, and exceedingly dignified and overbearing woman. She has been spoiled by having too much money. Her redeeming trait is her intense love for her son Howard. She is not so fine-fibred as Mrs. Livingstone and Marion. Good morning. It was sweet of you to come so early. Goes to Mrs. Stanton, expecting but evidently not willing to be kissed, but Mrs. Stanton merely shakes hands. <sighs> I would have been here two hours ago but for the intolerable insolence of the police. Coming in from Morristown, they arrested us twice for speeding. And when the magistrate learned whose car it was, he said, Oh, Howard Stanton's mother, then doubled the fine besides being most impertinent. Comes down right center with Marion, who stands above Mrs. Livingstone, who has seated herself in armchair left. Mrs. Livingstone, rising. Good morning, Mrs. Stanton. Mrs. Stanton goes to chair right with equal coldness. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Livingstone. They sit down. Mrs. Stanton at right end of sofa, Mrs. Livingstone in chair right of center table. The two ladies eye each other coldly and evidently questioning the right of the other to be there. Marion stands a bit back and between the two. With the example of your son's accident, you were very brave to come so fast. I was not coming fast. A bare forty-mile rate. I don't understand why some gentlemen don't become judges, so we might have a little justice and courtesy in the courts. The idea of delaying a mother on her way to visit her injured son. It will be a great pleasure to Howard and me having our two mothers with us. You must both stay to lunch. Thank you, dear. Marion, going up. I'll run away and fetch Howard, if you two will amuse each other. Exits right. That will be very nice. The two mothers sit bolt upright, facing audience for several seconds, neither speaking. Both cough significantly, each thinking the other is about to speak. I beg your pardon, you were saying? I was not saying anything. It's a charming day, so bright and cheerful. Did those newspaper ruffians insult you? They were most impertinent. They took my picture. <laughs> they wouldn't dare do that to me. No. I don't think they would. 
Pause. Well, it certainly was not my son's desire to get into the papers. Do you mean to insinuate it was my daughter's? A young man of position must have his amusements, provided he lives within his income. I think he should always remember his position and not humiliate his wife. Fortunately, my daughter has her own income, a wedding present from her father. I trust my son maintains his own establishment. That is exactly the trouble. He maintains too many. Huh. Has Mrs. Howard Stanton complained? The Livingston women have a pride of birth which prevents complaining. Oh, the Stanton men never permit outside interference in their family affairs. Fortunately, the courts provide a remedy. Most fortunately. Of course, there must be this unavoidable disgrace of an old and honored name dragged through the mire of a divorce court. Mrs. Stanton beginning to sniff also. Divorce? Ah, oh, they should think of their parents. If Mr. Stanton were alive, General Livingston will take some action. I think they ought to be spanked. Howard Stanton and Marion enter together up a stage right. At the same instant, the bell rings. Mrs. Stanton rises, all other feelings drowned in mother love at sight of a son so bandaged. My. My dear boy. Stanton, coming down to right of sofa. Mother, uh, I'm glad to see you. Comes down to meet her. Mrs. Livingstone seated left. Marion goes over beside her. Sally enters and moves to right, above settee right. My boy. Tries to take him in her arms as though he were a child. Morris enters center. He remains close to Stanton and his mother, while Sally moves to Mrs. Livingstone and Marion, so that the families are lined up on either side of center table. Oh, now, now, mother, there's nothing the matter. I'm all right. Sally to Marion. He was horrid. Practically told me to mind my own business. Why didn't you, dear? Oh! Wilson, center. General Livingston. Stanton is still standing with his arm about his mother and her arm around his shoulders when General Livingstone appears center. General Livingstone is a man of sixty-five, tall, straight, imposing, with white hair and short-cropped white moustache, a gentleman of the old school. He carries a copy of the journal in his hand. Dad! Marion hurries to him. General Livingstone, center, taking her in his arms. Marion, my little girl! Kisses her. Marion taking the paper from him. Oh, Dad, did you bring another of those horrible things into this house? Opens paper, reads headline. Family conference? How absurd! Here, Mother, read this and cheer up. Throws paper aside. Marion, I have come to take you home. I am at home, Father. This is Marion's home, General. I am Marion's father and I do not recognize your right to decide this matter. Stanton going to him. I am Marion's husband, and whether you recognize it or not, I have the right. Marion moving between them. She is smiling pleasantly, but in her voice there is a ring of determination. And they both guessed wrong the very first time. Father, Howard, 
you are both dear and you are both acting exactly as you should but dear men that day when you grandly decided and women meekly submitted has gone by father i owe you respect i owe howard allegiance as long as he deserves it but no one can decide for me anything that is going to affect my whole life i will decide it myself for myself when and how i please for the present wilson appears at centre door marion sees him her face lights my decision is that we all go to lunch ned will you take mother father take mrs stanton sally goes first and alone morris moves to mrs livingstone and both exit general livingstone moves to mrs stanton and both exit the others all file out dazed as she directs one moment howard stanton pauses well what are you going to do i'll abide by your decision who is she i told you she is innocent of any wrong i promise you not to use her name if i sue oh now who is she mrs blakemore mrs the rich widow from the south yes do you love her stanton does not answer marion repeats distinctly do you hang it marion you've been frank with me I i'm damned if i know see here howard a man goes to the woman who offers the most to his nature i am a woman she is a woman if i cannot hold you against all other women i don't want you i'll invite mrs blakemore here and put it to the test marion that is my decision both walk towards center exit as curtain falls curtain music cue that is my decision lauders she is my daisy end of act one